Hi guys, welcome to A New African Mind. I'm your host, Petrina say You can find me on Instagram as MBS Care, same as Facebook and Twitter. Today I'm going to be talking about our sense of self and where it develops from and how it develops, right? So a lot of us say to ourselves, oh, I'm an introvert, I'm an extrovert, I'm this, I'm that, I like this, I don't like that. And we usually think that it's it's something that we do on our own or it's, it's a choice that we make on our own on our own. But what I'm going to discuss today is going to challenge you to understand that a lot of who you are today is as a result of what was passed down to you unintentionally or passively. What do I mean by that? I I believe that there are three main sources of input for our sense of self. The first one would be our genetic makeup, biology. The second will be our parents or our initial caregivers. And then the third would be the environment that, you know, we live and exist in. So let me just jump right into it. Biology. When a child is first created, you know, in his or her mother's womb, he or she starts to form, right? And picks up DNA um, from both the mom and from the dad. And I'm not going to go into technical terms. But as a child forms, so much of their parents, you know, is imprinted into who they are. So when you're brought into this world, there are things that have been passed down to you that you have absolutely no control over. For example, your blood type, right? You can't, you cannot choose your blood type. You cannot change your blood type. It depends on the parents that you have. Another thing would be a predisposition. So research has shown that People with depression or anxiety um, tend to have kids who are born with a predisposition to have that. Predisposition does not mean that by all means you will grow up to have depression or anxiety, but predisposition means that you have a higher likelihood of developing that than someone who has parents who don't have depression or anxiety. Okay, You inherit things like hair color, um, your height, how your nervous system responds to noise. Some research supposes that people who are introverted have a more sensitive nervous system. So it doesn't take much to um, lead to nervous system arousal as opposed to extroverts who need more stimuli in their environment for them to even reach a threshold of excitement, right? So there are so many things that you will inherit from your parents or their parents' parents that you have no control over your eye color, your hair color, you know, all these things. Again, some other disorders like hypertension, diabetes, you know, whenever you go and see a doctor, they'll ask you, do you have parents or do you have a history of this in your family? Because again, the numbers show that people who have parents or relatives with these types of disorders tend to also develop them. So that's all I'm going to say about biology and your genetics. I'm not saying that there isn't a lot more out there. There is, but that's what I'm going to talk about today. The second one I'm going to mention is your parents or your initial caregivers. Now, in my practice, I've come to realize that this holds the most weight in how we develop our sense of self. Our upbringing primes us for how we will be in the world, how we will exist in the world, how we will interpret and understand the world around us. The type of attachment, and and in subsequent talks, I'm going to talk about attachment theory, but the types of attachments that we form are based on the type of upbringing our parents give us. So let's let's work with an example right now, and an example that, that may be common to us Africans, right? 
there is a very high incidence of attaching value to performance in the African home. For most of us growing up, we got good job. You had actually good job was even rare, but good girl, good boy. Right? And the good girl and good boy were usually associated with things like, okay, maybe keeping the house clean, but most of the time it had to do with academic achievement. And it still is the case for most people. So as you grow up, you tend to now start to associate whether you're a good or bad boy or bad person based on your performance in school or at work. Your sense of self in this regard is impacted based on your parents' reaction. Because when we are, you are, we're kids, we look to our parents for validation. We want to see that they are happy with us. We want to see all the smiles and the hugs. And we realize that we tend to get these smiles and hugs when they are associated with specific things. So in order to try and win our parents' affection, you have a lot of adults studying subjects and doing programs that they want nothing to do with, but it's, this is what will make my parents happy. I don't want to make my parents sad because this is how I get their affection. So this is one example. Another example is whether a child believes they are attractive or not. What parents don't realize is that certain statements that they make passively and not directly to a child, impact the child. So for instance, if the child notices that every time you see, let's say, a light-skinned person, you're like, oh, wow, they're beautiful, but your child has dark skin. Even if once in a while you tell them they look good, they have learned to believe that what my parents find attractive is light skin, even though it wasn't said to them directly. When a child does something wrong and then a, a parent is scolding them, a lot of us hear this say, ah, look at your face. Look at your face like this thing. Look at your big mouth like this. Look at your big nose like this. Look at your legs like sticks, right? And these are things that kids absorb because parents, again, are the first example of how a person should be and feel in this world and how the world will treat them. So what the parent continuously says to the child, the child internalizes. And this child grows into an adult who believes certain things about themselves. Oh, I have a big nose. Oh, I have a big mouth. My legs are like sticks. The third thing I want to touch on with regards to upbringing, parents taking out their frustration on their children. And I will talk about this more in another podcast. But this was the case too for most of us where we would receive punishment that did not match the crime that we had committed, right? And so your parent comes home and your shoe is by the door and maybe accidentally they trip. All hell will rain down on you for leaving your shoe there. You are this bad child who sat down and concocted this plan and as a villain to intentionally trip your, your, your parent. Why do you want me to fall? You want my downfall. And then <laughs> this one we even see in, in movies and it happens. You want to kill me. I will die and you'll be happy. You want me to talk and talk and talk till I collapse and die. I, this, this, I heard this at home a lot. And we laugh about it. But we heard this over and over and over again. And so it made us believe as individuals that we are responsible for the feelings of other people. We're responsible for the happiness or unhappiness of our parents. You see, you've made your father angry. You see, you've made your mother sad. You're not doing well in school. Why don't you do try and do better so your mother can be happy? Oh, you've made your mother happy today. You did well in school. And so we grow up and we become adults who believe that 
if a person is happy or sad, it's because of us. What have we done? What did I do? What did I say? I have to behave in X, Y, Z way so that I don't make the person sad or upset with me. So we have a lot of people pleasers who don't realize that it's not just that you, you, you grew up one day and decided to be a people pleaser, but in your home, this is how you were made to believe you needed to exist, to be responsible for the feelings of other people. And this is also tied to getting affection, that people will like you and be kind to you and be nice to you as long as you make them happy. And if they are not being nice to you, it means that you, are not, you didn't make them happy or you did something to make them upset. And so parents will come back from work, from wherever they've gone to, or even be at home and be so frustrated about different things like the relationship they have with their spouse relationship with in-laws, lack of money, office politics, and because they didn't have the tools to engage in healthy processing, now we, the kids, became the object of their frustrations. So sometimes you would hear very painful things said to you that are heartbreaking for a child, but hey, you, we never even had the, the, the right to express how upset or sad we were that we heard certain words being said to us who are you? My friend will say, my, my Nigerian friend will say, for we are, like how? Where, where are you going to say, you hurt my feelings, you shouldn't have said that to me. What? You should be glad it's just your feelings that were hurt and not your body or your bones. You know what I mean? So there are so many subtle and obvious things that our initial upbringing has on us and how it shapes who we are in this world. So then we move into the environment, to school, to the neighborhood, and there's this thing that has been, this priming or this foundation that has been created where I am responsible for the feelings of others. And so that's how we start to operate in the circles that we are in. So you either, you're either the teacher's pet or you're not. You're the bad person in class, you're the noisy person in class, or you're not. Sometimes you become a talkative in class because you don't have the opportunity to speak at home. This is how the home environment shapes you. And then you realize that the more you talk in class, the more you crack jokes, you are seeing laughter. And you've associated laughter with, oh, the person is happy with me. So then you become the class clown. Because to you, that is a form of affection. That's a form of, a, of approval and acceptance. Or you become very quiet and timid because at home, when you open your mouth to speak, you're continuously being shut down. <laughs> One of my, the funniest things I think African parents do is they'll ask you a question when you try to answer, are you talking back to me? And then when you're silent, do you not hear me asking you a question? So it's like, um, what do I do? Like what's in between being silent and talking? Do I sing or do I rap, you know? And so again, relating back to the example that I gave, so let's just say, and, and I'm using the light skin example because... It's something that is common in our culture, and I'm not vilifying light-skinned people. Nobody chooses their skin color or anything. Um, but there is this issue that we have in our culture. So now what happens is take the person who hears their parents glorify light-skinned you know, people and say, oh, that person is beautiful. Oh, they're very nice. Oh, your color has come. Oh, hey, see the way you have become fair, you know? And it's said as a compliment. Now, this person goes to class and realizes that, okay, maybe for some reason in that class, they notice that the lighter-skinned girls are treated better, or the light-skinned guys are treated better. And this is a dark-skinned person, and they're wondering, okay, or they're thinking to themselves, well, I don't look like this, so 
maybe I'm unattractive. And so sometimes this translates into years of allowing people to talk to you anyhow, or treat you anyhow, or even entertaining romantic relationships that you normally wouldn't because it's, it's someone has found me desirable. Someone has found me attractive. So let me give them a chance. So much of who we are is really and truly shaped by our environment. And as much as we would like to believe that I am my own person, I determine who I want to be, the choices I make. It's a bit uncomfortable to admit that most of who we are is actually not by choice, but by the way our environment has shaped us. And then also what's happening behind the scenes genetically and biologically that we are unaware of. I'm sharing this because it means that if this was passed on to us, if majority of what was passed on to us or majority of who we are was passed on to us, then there's a way we can relearn, right? And learn new ways of being and build a certain sense of self that we want for ourselves. So for instance, if you want to build a sense of confidence, it's something that you can do by the choices you make, the people you keep around you, what you choose to hear. Now, don't get me wrong. It's not an easy process. It's not like you can just wake up one day and then choose to be different. Because remember, this is years and years and years and years of impact and influence. So your brain is even wired to behave a certain way. But when I tell you that it is possible because it's something that I have done and I've seen my clients be able to do, when I tell you that it is possible to develop a sense of self that you are comfortable with, you are proud of, you are secure in, I mean it, it's true. And I will share with you in, in a later podcast how this can be done. But the main purpose of this particular episode was to let you know that most of who you are is really not your fault. If you're down on yourself and asking yourself, why am I this way? Why can't I do this? Why am I always doing this? If you do some exploration and some self-reflection, you might realize that, oh, no wonder I'm this way. And then you can start to stop being so hard on yourself. Another thing this information does is that it helps you as a parent or parent-to-be to be very mindful of the impact you have on your child especially in their young years. It's never too late, but especially in the young years, being very mindful of what we say to our kids, being very mindful of how we find healthy coping tools for our stress so we don't take it out on our children. Being very mindful of what was passed on to us and mindful of breaking unhealthy generational patterns. So my hope is that after hearing what I've shared, you can begin to explore your sense of self the parts of you that you are happy with and the parts of you that you're unhappy with. What you can do to make yourself better in certain areas, what you can do to learn to be less hard on yourself about who you are and to, to understand that there is hope in shaping yourself into becoming the kind of person that you want to be. The next episode, I'm going to be talking about building a sense of self-confidence and a secure sense of self and how that is done. Because for most of us, that is a big, 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 big issue, whether we want to admit it or not. So look out for the next episode where we're going to be talking about building a secure sense of self. Thank you for listening to A New African Mind.